You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves in the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe and Vince. Last week, within a horde of Boba Fett's and Slave Leia's, a celebration took place, a Star Wars celebration. We got a new trailer for The Force Awakens, as well as interviews with a wealth of industry people. We also got a lot of news, including an epic trailer for the upcoming Star Wars Battlefront game from DICE. This is the first project to come of EA's 10-year partnership deal with Lucasfilms, and they're not messing around. DICE is actually affecting Star Wars canon, an example being their influence over the look of the planet Solace. Another being the fact that if you want to know how that Star Destroyer wound up crashed in the Force Awakens trailer, you're going to have to play the game. Now, before we start on Battlefront, we should discuss the Force Awakens, obviously, the trailer that dropped. Vince, what did you think about it? Chills. I mean... Seriously? Yeah, I, I am amazed at how well Disney and Abrams are nailing Star Wars after the movies we won't speak of. Like, it's just instantly transported me back to my childhood, and I loved every second of it. Yep. Mixed. I The fanboy in me loved it. The critic in me kind of saw it more as pandering to the fanboys and girls. So like it was it was good and it had a lot of stuff to it but I'm waiting for more meat. I am actually even a little bit further off than you in that. I really it was a good trailer but I mean it, it, people have said like been saying cuz I've kind of brought it up and they were saying oh it's nostalgia nostalgia and whatnot. And I was like I was there when it came out. Like you I, <laughs> I, I kind of remember being a kid and these being out and, and everything. And I've never hidden the fact that I'm not a huge Star Wars nerd. Not that I have anything wrong with anybody. Is my pal, my best buddy, growing up was. I got no problems with that. I personally am not, but that doesn't mean I don't appreciate the movies and and obviously like them. I mean, we 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 finished watching the entire Clone Wars and we all sat around and watched all of the the existing movies right now, including the bad ones Mm -hmm. just so that we can get through them all. And we've watched rebels. So we like the stories. And I also read the, the comics as well. We've talked about them extensively on the, on the comic book informed podcast. So it's not that I don't like or feel nostalgia, but I watched the trailer. And when you just kind of break it down and look at what it is, it really wasn't that big of a deal, which isn't to take away from, the movie, which I'm quite certain will be good. I loved what he did with Star Trek. So, so I'm sure it'll be good. But the, 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 everything in the, the show or the trailer, including the end with Harrison Ford, it's like, yeah, it's cool seeing you. We knew you were going to be in. But that is obviously just there to pander to the fanboys. Like you said, that's the only reason that's there. And talk about a missed opportunity. They should have had... Harrison Ford looked at Chewbacca and said, maybe you should fly. <laughs> Something like that would have been fantastic. Now, here's an interesting thing, and I'm, I'm curious if you'll feel the same way. Um, my buddy Dean, who's a very large militant black man, turned to me after seeing the trailer and t- said, it doesn't feel like Star Wars yet. I disagree, but you know, 
like I said, it's well. I'm, I'm wondering what if there's the, an, what they were going for worked a hundred percent on my brain. I'm wondering if it's an age thing because he's also of that generation where like he was there for the first movies. So I'm really kind of curious if it's a generation gap thing. I don't see. For me, it's never really felt like again Star Wars. A lot of people say, yeah, and it feels like I'm being transported back to when I was a kid. And it's like more power to you. But for me, it's not doing that at all, at all, at all. I mean, it's using, it has a very different look than the originals, Mm -hmm. let alone the crap after, but the originals, very different look to it and and feel about it as well, too. And I'm sure it's going to have, I'm sure it's going to be good and it's going to have a lot of good story elements and whatnot. But again, when you look at, Star Wars, be it the original series, the next generation, what have you, and the J.J. Abrams one. I believe you mean Star Trek. Star Trek. Well, I said Star Wars. Okay. Yeah. Plenty. Some, somewhere a thousand nerds just screamed out yeah, in really. rage at Roger. Yeah, well, whatever. When you look at those those two entities kind of thing, there's a, a big difference between the two. And it feels... It's kind of, if you equate it to gaming, it's kind of how we felt about Dragon Age 1 versus 2. That more, you know, fantasy feel kind of thing. And then the RPG, typical kind of action adventure game. That's how I see those. And that's how I'm already envisioning this Star Wars movie kind of thing. Which isn't to say it's not going to be good. It's just, I don't foresee that it will ever take me back to that point. Well, it's kind of one of those questions, right? Like, how do you bottle lightning? Well, I don't I'm not like, saying they're going they're going to replicate the originals because that, that like you said, Joe, you caught, caught lightning in a bottle. You can never replicate that experience. But right. as far as what I would want out of a Star Wars movie in 2015, of course, it's going to have a different look. It's going to have a different feel. But that's kind of what. I want out of a 2015 Star Wars movie. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'm that's fine. Fair. And I'm cool with that. And that's where, that's why I say it doesn't feel like the other. So this idea that you're feeling nostalgia, well, if it doesn't feel like the originals, then how are you? What? Because you saw white haired freaking Han Solo. That's <laughs> the only thing that you would say, cool. I feel like a kid again. Really? I'm. So it's, it's, it's the combination of iconic imagery with, John fucking Williams, let's be honest, that, now, now to, bring- that, puts, that puts you into a good mindset to be accepting uh, of it. Like I say, emotionally, you kind of travel back in time. But what's presented on the screen, at least as an adult, I'm more uh, into that. I can kind of split my feelings between the modern and the original. That's fair. Now, to bring it back to video games real quick, there are two very interesting things that relate to this trailer. One, like Roger pointed out, we're going to find out how that Star Destroyer got pulled down in Battlefront, which I will play that game for that alone. Yeah, I will absolutely do that. Two, did anybody else catch the Revan mask? Yes. It, it's definitely Revan-esque. That's the thing that I, when I was watching it, I was like, whoa, was that like a Revan reference? What the hell is going on? I've heard a rumor, and I haven't really done a whole lot of research, that apparently it's a collector or the collector. And apparently he's just digging through the past for anything force related. And it happens upon Revan's mask or something of that nature. So I don't know if that's accurate or not. I 
kind of interested to see, but it's it's interesting to me because all these things that we've we've seen that they've taken out of the extended universe uh, that aren't going to be counted as canon, and now they're pulling from what specifically video games, yes, and pulling in some of the some of the more potentially beloved things, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Okay. So now let's move it to the battlefront trailer this dropped after the trailer for the movie of course and this i was impressed with (laughs) this blew me away this was and again it's i star wars games aren't something that i'm batshit crazy about beforehand if it's a good one great i love it i do like the ip but this i could have either way been like meh I'll see how it is once it comes out and maybe play it or this level of excitement. But that trailer, which starts off with the fight of Endor in an epic freaking way between shield, jetpacks, everything. It is drop dead gorgeous. And the, the other thing too, and this is something that I'd mentioned both to my wife and son as we were watching uh, TV is that, Dice was given access to like all of the assets from the originals. So they quite literally scanned in a bunch of the existing droids, all of Darth Vader's costumes, Boba Fett's mask, an entire X-Wing and everything into their proprietary program for, for the art so that everything looks authentic to the movies and they even used a lot of different ways in doing the special effects which i thought was incredible so that when you're looking at things exploding and whatnot it feels more like watching a movie explosion versus a game explosion and there is a big difference to those i noticed that immediately when i was watching and on top of that the like they didn't only scan in assets and whatnot but they actually went to the locations where some of these fight scenes and uh, battle scenes and whatnot occurred in the movie and they scanned a lot of the environment and whatnot when you're watching this it feels like you're in that fight right around the time of, of the Ewoks. You even see one across crossing a bridge at one point if you go slow motion. Please tell me you can shoot the Ewoks. Oh, the, well, I hope so. But anyways, so Again, I, I found that it it was so authentic to the time as well as still giving that modern flair to it in terms of just looking so gorgeous. I was hooked in right from that fight at the start. Absolutely ridiculous beyond belief. And, and they claim this was with the in-game engine. This wasn't pre-rendered. Yeah, yeah that's all I'm, of it. I'm calling BS on that. I don't know. They said it was actually on the PS4. Now I'm calling double BS on that. Dude, PS4 can put out some gorgeous yes, graphics. Yes, it can, but... I, I believe it. Doing that in real time? I, I believe it. Jesus. We, I believe it. I the, absolutely believe it. The only thing that concerns me is how they're going to, or how they have coded it, or will be, because it's still not, it's not due until November 17th, but... A, a large portion of this is going to be multiplayer. Mm-hmm. You're doing those Walker battles and it's 40 player fight looking that good with explosions everywhere and whatnot. 
I'm really hoping that's going to work and it won't lag or anything. I mean, Battlefield 4 is true. incredibly true. well detailed with giant you know, tanks and buildings collapsing and airplanes. And I, I haven't really seen much in the way of graphical lag from that. So I'm willing to say at least from, from a... From a frame rate standpoint, they're not going to have a problem. I just, I'm still just kind of disbelieving the graphical fidelity. It's well, we also beautiful. we also have the thing where the the current state of the broadband connection that is so far above what we had even with the PS3 and the Xbox 360, and the average person's home. The backends are are now set up to specifically to recognize and prioritize uh, game traffic differently. At least in the states, I'm pretty sure it's similar, or if not the same, elsewhere. So, I mean, I have no doubt in my mind that it's not going to lag at all. I am. Oh, man. I, I looked at this because it's coming out for the, the PS4 and the Xbox One. But it's actually coming out for PC as well. Mm-hmm. Dude, this on 4K? Cool. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if my system could run at 4K maxed everything because I'm quite certain it's going to be. But you'll try. Beast, but, oh, man, I'm <laughs> really freaking tempted. That said, seeing the dogfighting between all of the different playable vehicles that they showed, and they said, too, you're going to be able to fly or ride TIE Fighters, X-Wings, ATTs, or AT-ATs, ATSDs, snow speeders, speeder bikes, and the Millennium Falcon. Dude, that's made to be played with a controller in your hands. Hell, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that would be friggin' although flight stick for those. Ooh, I don't know if they'll do that, but if so, that'd be freaking freaking awesome. They still make flight sticks. They do actually. I know a dude who's actually heavy into those. Did you did you see the video of I forgot what recent con it was, but they had an actual like Tie Fighter pod with like full cockpit and controls and everything like a full 360 projected cockpit i did not i would want something like that for this <laughs> <laughs> you could get the old vector graphics star wars game arcade game <laughs> i will buy the steel battalion controller and figure out how to rig this that's that's how much i want this they did also say going back to the flyable vehicles because they were asked whether or not they would have any kind of space battles. And the way that they answered it was they wanted to keep basically everything on the planet. So you can go somewhat into the atmosphere, but you're not leaving the planet. Yeah. So, which makes sense because then you're opening up to a whole new can of worms there. That's a completely different game at yeah. that point. So I don't mind. If anybody's listening, I'll buy that game too. Yeah, really. They, they have to be aware. But the... um even just seeing what they did with the whether it's whether those were like pod rates and some of it was obviously but battles but uh, all kinds of other stuff too like holy crap it looked amazing the 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 flying looks like it'd be a ton of fun you guys aren't really into those kind of things as much as I am not as much not, not as much but yeah so damn it we're in agreement then we'll let the ad they are also going to be doing local stuff as well there's going to be like one and two player co-op stuff that you can do local or online those are going to be like they're calling them their special missions and that's going to be more stuff that you can just kind of bounce in and do again with a a smaller group or even just by yourself i i actually was not expecting local co-op on this which is as i've said many times i love that because I, i game with my son so that's actually got me fairly interested for picking up the the ps4 version 
Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm thinking back to like the spec ops stuff they did in the Modern Warfare games, which were just little two-player missions, but that was the most fun I had with that game. So if they can even come close to that in a Star Wars universe, forget about it. I'm, I'm just in heaven. That, um, that mission that Joe was talking about too when we were talking about finding out how that Star Destroyer got down on the planet that we saw in the Force Awakens trailer, that's going to be put out after the game releases, but it's, it is going to be coming out um, for people who buy the game two weeks before the movie comes out so that you can get it as free downloadable level as well. So you will be able to play this before the movie comes out. And I thought, oh, dude, you're like doing everything right right now because uh, yeah. how how exactly are you going to fuck this up? Because it would have to be a pretty too many bad good game. ideas right now. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, if you look at it down the line too, like a right off the bat, they're going to have female stormtroopers without even anybody having to make a fuss about it. Wow, mm-hmm. that's great. <laughs> they're going to have a variety of races that you can play as as well. They were talking about the obvious humans, Celestans, whatever, Lando's co-pilot, and then Ishi Tib, which are the green-skinned aliens from uh, that were at Jabba's palace. And there's quite likely going to be more as well. Like giving us an epic story, giving us the ability to do damn near MMO kind of gaming, these 40-player fights or whatever, hanging on to your characters, one would assume, so that you can, I don't know whether level them up. I don't know how they're planning on doing it, to be honest. But like, there's a It'll lot of... It'll probably be tied to loadouts and whatnot, where yeah. you'll have like a, an account level that you'll increase. Yeah, like there's a lot of little... Well, things that you'll be able confirmed. to design, like okay, my sniper character is a Twi'lek. You know, my yeah. my badass, you know, Walker pilot is you know this guy. So, yeah, there's a lot of things that I'm really, really quite excited for for this. It's it's, <laughs> and that freaking energy shield that he dropped. I don't know. Again, I don't know if it was you, but like I'm getting right into it. When you're seeing the fighting and all that, and the, the shield goes up and I'm like, ooh, what the hell is that? <laughs> it's a freaking shield. That's all it was. But <laughs> for nerds, you know, gaming nerds, it's like, what the hell? I want one of those. <laughs> so that is that. Was there anything else uh, you boys wanted to say about it before we move on? I'm just sad it's going to be so long before it comes out. Man. I'm glad it's going to be so long. That means I can work through my backlog. Yeah, we got other games to finish. So the the last thing that I will say about this, too, is that there was another article I was reading. They were talking about how seriously they're taking the sound engineering for this. And oh, yeah. they're using like the top end system, the Dolby Atmos, which can allow up to 128 tracks to basically put the sound anywhere Ooh. you want it. It's like, dude, it's going to sound and look amazing in 4K. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, I might have to buy it twice. <laughs> okay, let's move on to some Sword Coast Legends. Vince, you want to talk about this? Yeah, over the past few weeks, we've been getting uh, NPC companion profiles for Sword Coasts Online. And so far, we have three. Uh, we have Lydia Maithelin, who is a Moon Elf cleric, Larithar Golgren, who is a Gold Dwarf rogue, and Hamit Shaw, a young human necromancer. 
And they go into detail on, I don't want to say detail, but they give you a nice little rundown of the character. But what I really like about these articles they're publishing is they're not focusing so much on the characters themselves. Like they give a little bit of story about the character and then use the character as a springboard to describe more about the world and the races and, you know, why not necessarily the specific character, but in general, the, you know, these people are here and what their goals are. And it's doing a lot of world building and they're kind of saving a lot of the character stuff for in-game, which I appreciate. I don't want a whole bunch of character spoilers, but by all means, give me plenty of articles about the world and, and all the stuff that we can experience. And there's like some cool stuff in here that from a gameplay standpoint, I, I really admire. Like we're looking at uh, Olivia, who's the cleric. She's a moon elf. But one of the cool things, and we said before, this game is based on 5th edition. And one of the things I love about 5th edition is clerics are freaking badass. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> They're not just heel bots. They, they are very capable. And we see here, here she's an archer. And it's 100% accurate to game that you can be a great healer, buffer, what have you, and still be a really good archer as well. Same thing we have, you know, the dwarf. When was the last time you saw a dwarf rogue that wasn't named Varric? But they've done it here and they've they've really expanded on the character and made it fit. And just Nobody the way everything. Yes, exactly. That's the first thing I saw. He's like, he's got freaking Bianca. That's, that's not right. <laughs> but it's just a couple short little articles. And I said the, the actual character descriptions are only a paragraph each. But the way they go on to really tie everything together. I, I'm actually really excited about what we can expect out of this game and out of the game world. Well, I'm, I've been really excited for this, too, especially with my not just our excursions into fifth edition, but now that I'm starting to run games, uh, I've missed D&D and I've missed what I felt has been like the root of D&D, which was like my formative years and learning to be, you know, love fantasy. And I feel like they're doing the same things here that fifth edition did to rekindle those same feelings. They're mm-hmm. they're not just saying, oh, it's just a fifth edition game. It seems like they're actually taking some time to produce a unique, uh, I guess, identity or feeling within that same greater sphere. And it just keeps making me more and more excited. I prefer this kind of thing. Like you were saying, we're in it's the world whose lore we're being handed and versus the the actual companions. That's we're going to be immersing ourselves into the world with characters that we're kind of going to adapt as our own characters. So we kind of want to give them mm-hmm. all of the back history that mm-hmm. we want to. And then it's the world that they're in. That's the most important thing. So that's, I, I thought this was fantastic too. Yeah. Yeah. It's just everything we've seen from this game so far has me really excited and very, very confident about the the final product we're going to get. Yeah, definitely. Let's move on to Final Fantasy because we got some more lore update there as well. You were going to talk about this too. Yeah, on the main website uh, last week, they dropped, I don't want to say a ton of lore, but a, a fair amount for the new race as well as the three new player classes. And I just thought it was some, some good stuff we got here. Uh, for the new race, the Aw-Raw, they go into how just because of their appearance with their, their horn and their sharp features that a lot of people believe them to be you know, dragonkin. And knowing what we know about Ishgard and their fight against the dragons, how that would you know affect people's perception of them but 
it's not true, but I, I can imagine a lot of interesting storylines going forward about, you know, people not trusting them just based on their appearance. There's and then a lot also, of Tumblr fan fiction there now that's not oh, going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and also the division between the two sub races, the Rain and the Zayla. And it's just like, especially because I've been diving hard, hard into Final Fantasy XIV lately and really absorbing a lot of the lore and really appreciating the work they've done with the individual races and how they are all unique in not just, of course, appearance, but culture. And a lot of the the background lore stuff behind, behind the game is actually really deep, and I'm really starting to get a great appreciation out of this. So I'm actually really interested to see now what more they can do with the All Raw. Yeah, I intend on rolling one. I know everybody keeps saying you only need one character, but it's like, no, screw <laughs> you. I want more than one. Yeah. I have fun doing the different things on the different characters. And again, when you're somebody who's a creative type and, are stupid and have too much imagination. You, you're going to invest yourself in kind of RP. Those are the not mutually exclusive. Well, there is that. So, so yeah, so I'm really, really looking forward to doing mine. Mine's going to be a summoner. I can't wait to play him. No, it's going to be some cool stuff. Yeah. And then we got diving back in. That's for damn sure. <laughs> we need a cat bard. Cat bard! <laughs> and then we also got lore about the three new playable jobs. Uh, we have the machinists, who is actually pretty cool because I, I haven't uh, come across too much of this stuff actually in 14 yet, but how they're basing their technology on the Garland Ironworks, which is like an NPC faction who with uh, refugees from the Garlean Empire bringing their technology over and kind of using it to help Eorzea. And now Ishgard has seen that and they've got their machinist core uh, on the task of kind of using that technology for their own reasons and these guys look badass. I'm oh, going to yeah. be playing a machinist. I I agree. I <laughs> that was one of the ones. If I had my choice, like if the game had come out the expansion around the time that we started playing, that's the class that I wanted to play. It just looks. It's a smuggler cross in with an engineer. Yes, mm -hmm. so I'll long. play that. <laughs> And we also got the Astrologian. Uh, not, nothing terribly in-depth on these guys, but pretty interesting how they're really tying in this uh, spellcaster class with the astrological stuff, uh, of course, from the name. But uh, going into how they've attuned their magic with the movement of the stars and the constellations and how that allows them that in addition to the normal spellcasting, they have more uh, control over uh, fate and destiny and stuff. So it's, it's a nice little twist on the spellcasting class. Well, it'll be fun too because it's there's not a lot of healing classes, so giving us something different, hopefully, in terms of the some of the mechanics for healing with that class, that'll be fun. I'm kind of wondering if the machinist is going to have some healing capabilities because uh, in the screenshots they they showed, at at very least, he was getting a buff from one of his little robots. I thought he was just yeah buffs and I, I don't know. And, I'm curious uh, though. DPS. Because I'm thinking back to uh, Old Republic, how you had the, was it the the smuggler and the operative, I think they were, had healing specs. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it, it's a possibility. Yeah, but and like you said, we're, you. we're definitely light on healers. Yeah. Yeah, always. And then finally we get into who's going to be, I, I would assume, the, the star of the game. And that's the Dark Knight. It definitely a long-awaited class to be added in here. And they actually gave us a lot of stuff uh, for the Dark Knight about how, you know, you have the uh, the religious sects within Ishgar and 
how, you know, even in any society, some people can stray, some people can fall. But when one of the religious knights goes astray, there's really no legal uh, or societal way to hold them accountable for it. So you have this group who has separated themselves from the rest of society and taken it upon themselves to be the one to deliver justice where nobody else will and to pretend, or I'm sorry, not to pretend, to protect uh, the smaller and weaker townspeople. And that is cool as hell. Like I, I was expecting the dark Knights to be more, you know, dark, but they've really worked it into the lore where they're not dark. They're just outcasts. And they've, the church, of course, is calling them dark because of the role they're taking, but they're still a very heroic class. Yeah. Yeah, but did you really see them being, like, really all that dark? Most of the stuff for the classes is... Well, in Final Fantasy really history, the Dark Knights have always been, you know, trending. Total. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll say we'll say lawful evil, if you will. Batman, <laughs> so, think Batman. Yeah, and like I remember the the Dark Knight in Final Fantasy XI was a lot about the dark magics and you know selling bits of your soul and whatnot for extra power. So it's for them to take a different route here in fourteen is a very welcome sight. How much is your dark materia worth? Let's find out. <laughs> yeah. So you said you've been playing a lot and you've leveled up to what again? I've got my Marauder, now Warrior, up to 30, and uh, I leveled Gladiator to 22. Jesus. Okay. So you... And let me tell you, that little hairband from the Recruiter Friend, priceless. <laughs> yeah, I logged in, and all of a sudden I had a bunch of gifts, and I was going, what the hell? I didn't realize that you got quite that many things from just being oh, Plus, the... you probably got your like uh, veteran rewards, too. No, I already had those. You're, you're talking about the rewards for um, the C, the collectors, right? Digital collectors? Is that what you're talking about? Well, you got your uh, friendship referral rewards. And since you paid for 90 days, I'm sure you have some of the veteran rewards too. Oh, I didn't realize you got that. Yeah, they, they, it's, it's their incentive to keep people around. So hold That's on. That's really so- cool because when I was playing way back when, I just kept forgetting to cancel my subscription for a couple months. So when I when I started back up, I had all these awesome rewards so, that I never used. Hold on. So every month that you pay, they give you rewards? Not every month. Like there's tiers. Like you get 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. And I think it jumps up to like 240 after that. It's similar to what um, Guild Wars 2 was doing with like the login rewards. Yeah, kind of. I, I know there was another it's game. Same, that did same that idea. And I just can't remember what it is. Off the okay. top of my head. Oh, well, I don't know what the hell it was for then. But they all of a sudden, my freaking yeah, mailbox you, you got had a ton of stuff. I guarantee stuff, yeah. you that. Uh, other games that did it, Champions Online, uh, DC Universe Online did those as well. DC, yes, that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. So, and I should actually be getting my stuff too from Tristan getting because mm-hmm. I, I referred him. So Yeah, but the, 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 the story that I've seen so far now that the actual in-game story is going on as well as the individual stories that are told within the class quests, like... I made a lot of jokes about how the Marauder class quest was basically I was killing sheep the entire time. But, you know, the way it's told and, like, the weight they give to it is actually really well done. And I was actually really getting into the Gladiator stuff as well before I was like, okay, I need to stop leveling my Gladiator now and get back over to Marauder. Because that storyline was a lot more interesting from the start. So there's a a lot of really good storytelling stuff they're doing in the game that I'm really getting into. See, I've tried um, 
a few different characters now, and I'm finding that it's taking a very long time before I get to meaningful questing. Like, you're doing a lot of frivolous stuff, even for just the the world questing prior to when it gets to pretty epic kind of towards the tail end, but for the longest time. I mean, the questing, I find the questing is not all of it, but some of it is far more tutorial in nature mm-hmm. for for what I believe to be way too long. Well, if you're the, at level the eight, non-required quests, if you will, like the side quests are scattered throughout the zone. Yeah, a lot of those are just basically no, there dude, for even, XP purposes. Yeah, but even some of the ones that are the world quests, you're, I mean, delivering crates. I'm thinking this is not kind of how I want to feel as, at as level it's been 18. Progressing, I've been getting increasingly more impressed with it. And that's what I want too. And again, I'm not trying to rag on it because I do enjoy the the questing in the game and I found some that were particularly good, but I've also had a bunch of them where you're like, "Really? This is this is it? Go fetch a freaking crate. This is not very epic in nature kind of thing. So, but I'm, I keep looking forward to the ones that are fairly epic in nature. And that's, that's where the the game really then shines. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's move away from there now and just talk a couple, a couple of little things. And then we'll jump into some more Crowfall news as well. Had you guys heard about everybody's gone to the Raptor before last week? Yes. This was, this was news to me. So this is a PS4 exclusive that's being uh, published by Santa Monica Studio, created by the Chinese room. And these are the guys that made Dear Esther. It's coming out in the summer, again, exclusive to PS4. And it's an open world apocalyptic story. It's after the, the apocalypse that they set in 84. And... The the trailers, there's a couple of trailers so far. We just got a new one last week. And it kind of put me in the mindset of um, of like Dead Island kind of thing. It was just really well done. And like the one in the school especially where mm-hmm. you're like it's, a, mm-hmm. it's an innocent setting. And you know something's wrong there. And you're playing <laughs> on those fears that people have of their kids. And then as the camera pans further and further back, it just gets worse and worse all the way back. <laughs> and, like, I mean, we don't have a lot to go on for the game other than, like, they're using the the good, the correct buzz phrases. They're saying, like choices you make as a player have a direct impact on how you understand the story and also saying things like storytelling not how the story plays out how, how you, you understand, understand it, it. Exactly. which is an important distinction but one i like mm-hmm. they're also saying that uh, storytelling is completely unique in this game which again if that's true great but i really who knows it's it kind of caught my attention because when you see the trailers and you see those spirits things kind of looks like you get to play as them i i honestly don't know yeah what was the i think it was the ign site they gave a little gameplay walkthrough and like the spirits you and somehow like summon them or attune you attune to them i think that's how they explained it and then you get to experience their stories 
you you basically you come upon this town in the post events of the apocalypse, right? You are you. You are a nameless person. You are not a spirit. You are not part of this world. Uh, well, you, I mean, you are, but you're not part of like the events that occurred. You're trying to piece together what happened, and this is the same thing. Did you guys play, dear Esther? I played I some of it, not all of it. Okay, so the Chinese Room has this wonderful thing where this is not really truly a video game. It's an interactive cinematic experience. It is completely and totally story-driven. That's what they do. It is all about the feels and discovery. So as you're going around, you're trying to figure out what's happening. There are radios that you can possibly tune into throughout your travels that give you little snippets, whether it's people that are you can't tell if they're pre-recorded. You can't tell if they're live. And that's kind of an important distinction. There are hints that go in either way, at least from what we've seen so far. Now, the way that the spirits are is these are memories or sort of uh, etheric echoes of the people that have gone to the rapture. You are coming across these these moments and you are tuning yourself to them so that you can kind of try to get an idea of what's going on. Now, this is important for a couple of reasons. One, because depending on which paths you go, you may find others that make no sense when compared to some of the other ones. Or if you don't tune yourself properly, you may not get the whole story or memory. And if you're mm. walking through a school that has bloodstains <laughs> as well as like very calm parents talking, that whole story matters. And that will make a very big decision. Now, that's what I like about these type of games. And I've actually when I heard about this game, I'm really excited for it. Because I like exploration. I like the idea of having a story where it's not really a game. I don't have to worry about fighting monsters. I don't have to worry about, you know, solving a thousand puzzles. It's about experience. It's about exploration. It's something that I can sit back and go through and try to piece things together for myself. And the wonderful thing about something like this is everybody is going to have a different experience. What I get out of it will be completely different from what you may get out of it. And from people that I I know personally who have had hands on with some early builds of this game, I have heard things like it left me in tears. I visibly was shaking. I had to leave my house what are they doing? Why do I feel this way? These are things that people <laughs> I know that are these are people that I know that are relatively emotionally stable are telling me after they've had some hands on with this game. So not tart. That's what you're not saying. Not tart. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's obvious. But that that's something important to keep in mind. And this is something that I think everybody who if you if you were listening to this podcast, you obviously love story driven games. Give this a shot. Give the Chinese room a shot. Also, maybe go back and pick up Dear Esther. It's the same type of experience. Not quite as heavy hitting, apparently, as this one, but it will definitely prepare you for the type of experience you're going to have. Keep this on your radar. Keep an eye on it. And if you have a PS4, you might want to consider picking it up. I know this is a definite purchase for me. Whenever Tart buys a PS4. Whatever time by, if, the, if, she, if we don't have a PS4 by the time this comes out, I will go and buy one that night. <laughs> You're gonna veto that decision. <laughs> yeah, <just> veto. <laughs> but yeah, no. Dear Esther is a game that I kind of slept on, but now seeing this, I, it definitely motivates me to go back and take a look at that one because this, from what I've seen from this, this looks to be a pretty damn cool experience. Also, fuck IGN for talking over the experience when they did it. Yeah, <laughs> sure. This game is all about atmosphere. Don't fucking talk over it. Like they say, oh, they're having a conversation, so let's be quiet for a second. And they get like two sentences into the conversation. They go, yep, okay. 
But this is another game where we talked about the audio engineering. This is another game where it's going to be so important because like whether it's wind rustling or creatures around you, like fauna and, and flora just kind of around you, whether it is reacting or not reacting is going to be important too with the memories. Like it's just, Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really jazzed for this game. Fair enough. <laughs> In a bad segue. <laughs> also jazzed for Firefly online. Now, when this was initially announced, it was everybody's dream. And then it came to a crashing halt when they had the various litigations over using the IP and whatnot, but it's kept going and they've gotten the proper approval. And now we're even hearing how it's going to have the cast in it as well. They actually had announced that a while back and they put out an interview. They have a, a companion app for the game called the Cortex. I actually downloaded it and installed it too so I could watch the full interview. And they had an interview with uh, Nathan Filion as well as with uh, Adam Baldwin. And they talked about what it was like basically slipping that glove back on. And both of them agreed too that that's like their favorite characters. And one of the things that I found quite telling of how much it means to them too is Nathan Villeneuve was saying how he keeps up with all of the, the cast from the movie, but what he misses are the characters. He never gets to see those people in those characters anymore. And he loved that. And it's, again, it's telling of how much those characters have impacted us in so short a time. So every time he was talking about what it's going to mean in the game, and there's going to be all of these little kind of inside jokes for anybody who's seen the TV show or the movie. And it really sounds like a ton of fun. And again, when, when Adam Baldwin was talking about how it's cool having Captain Mal in your ear, talking to you kind of thing as you're doing questing with him or whatever, like, it reminded me of hearing Kevin Conroy in my ear as Batman in DC Universe Online or Spock in Star Trek Online. Like, it's there's a, so much fun having those authentic voices in your ear as you're playing those games. And I am so excited for this game and cannot wait to play it. And I will forgive a lot of crap from it. <laughs> <laughs> it will have to be really, really, really bad for me to rag on it because I'm just so excited for it. I'm keeping my expectations down just because I don't know what to expect. Because you've game. been hurt before. Exactly. I don't <laughs> want to get my hopes too high. This so is wash all over I, again. <laughs> I am but a leaf on the wind. <laughs> if it comes out and it's great then I will start paying attention. But until then... <laughs> oh, I'm playing it day one. I have to. I know to. you are. I have to. Oh. Bell. He's in. Have the same thing with comics. You're my canary in the coal mine. Yeah, man, I got to. <laughs> it's freaking Firefly Online. This is like I the most to. backhanded compliment ever, and I love it. Have you ever listened to Comic Book Conformer? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, hey, did you read this? No. Good, because it's crap. Like, that's why I didn't read it. I made you read it. read it first. I don't want to talk about Wolverines here, okay? Shut up. <laughs> All right. We got a crap load of Crowfall information as well. So, Joe, it's all you. 
Oh, man. Where to start? Where to start? I guess we'll start with a giant angry bull man, because why not? So we actually got a little bit of detail on the uh, the Myrmidon, uh, which is kind of cool. A little bit of the background and uh, some information about sort of the creative process of uh, one of the artists who uh, I don't remember his last name, but Eric is his first name. So the whole point of the Myrmidon is it's a Minotaur and it is a tank. It's a mitigation tank. He's there to hit things and be hit. He's there to get angry. And they did the whole thing where they revealed sort of the backstory in the content of essentially what would be prose, I guess, uh, like the mythology. And we find out that it was actually born of a favored pet of the trickster god who had been slain for its pelt uh, by a masterful hunter uh, after it had killed many of his mortal friends. And then the Strixer God comes along, is very, very sad by this because his favorite pet is like, well, now my pet's dead, so what am I going to do? So he takes the head of his pet, sticks it on the body of one of the things that the pet killed. says, okay, well, you're alive now. Go kill things. Specifically, what killed you? And it's kind of an interesting idea where, you know, it's it's going to hunt the hunters, but that's that's about it. I think it looks cool. I think it is you know, kind of nifty, but it's not my favorite uh, creature humanoid thing in the setting. It's not, but I will say when that moment came up and it was like, cut its head off and put it on the body, I was like, shit just got real. You <laughs> wrote that down on your Sir Reginald to-do list, didn't you? Yeah, really. <laughs> this was going to be what happens to, to my, my ward. <laughs> oh, poor Robin. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, it was like, I love that. I, I, I kind of dug it and I, I liked that bordering on demon kind of mentality of, I'm going to not just go after you. I'm going after your kids, your grandkids, mm-hmm. everybody in your village, everybody's going to die with my special, Man with bull head, <laughs> like you know, that it's a was, classic Greek bloodline. It, it is kind of a creep trope. I I thought it was cool. Is this going to be the class I play or brace? Definitely no. not. But it was cool. I thought so. It definitely was cool. And also, what was cool was when we were talking about uh, sort of the creative process. We got a little bit of a a view into how one of their lead artists, Eric, uh, designed and specifically the female confessor. What I thought was really, really, really cool about this video, and it's a 10 minute long video, it's well worth the watch. Uh, it's that you see how erratic his sort of like attention is, where it's like woman he's working on nose, next thing he's working on eyes, then he's working on hairs. And it's sort of really intriguing to see that creative process that they go through. And then you realize that they go through this for all of the races and all of the classes. And it's sort of cool to see, I want to say like kind of the organic process of it. Really, really nifty insight. Along that same vein, art plays a major role in this world, in this game. And when we see air, there was a conversation with Alison Theus, who has been involved in the project from the very, very beginning. And yes, they talk about the development of the art, but also the artist being in there from the 
from the get-go, from the creation of the world, from talking about the gods. And while they're talking about what they want to do with the story of the game, she's sitting in a room with the, on a whiteboard drawing sketches and doing lineups. And it's sort of – it's a cool moment for me because art plays a big part point in my life with a lot of things I do now and seeing something like that so ingrained in how the game is being developed is really refreshing because a lot of games sort of add the visual aspects after the story is written or when they have frameworks already done or, or you know, they change models or they perfect models later or some cases 10 years later. Uh, I mean, here you're seeing that they're, they're, everybody is involved, and I think that's really, really important. Now, what sold me is that doodles of her guinea pigs. That was the most just important part of that for, for me. Just for fun that they made it in. That was the moment. I'm not, I'm not shitting you, okay? With everything we've seen about this game and a lot of it that I've complimented saying I can't wait and all that, keep in mind there's only been a couple of things, most of which are strictly with the payment model that I've kind of had an issue with. The rest I'm really, really digging. And um, um, for, for months worth of all of that, this was the coolest thing that I've ever heard about the game that made me think I made the right decision backing them. And maybe I should have gone a little higher because any game that's willing to do that, you've got my money. <laughs> it's that well, simple. And it speaks, it speaks to that organic process too, right? Because it was just a doodle that she did during God lineups. It's like her guinea pig in a cape and everybody loved it. It was just kind of a thing that happened and it just sort of gained such momentum and then it was released as sort of a joke like ha 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 and then everybody latched onto it and it's something so minuscule as a drawing of a guinea pig in a cape has evolved into an entire race that has an entire following for a game that hasn't been released yet dude when when he was talking saying there's that there's the following now for them i can't remember what he called them and i was like yeah dude i'm I didn't know we had a clubhouse <laughs> that, that it was official <laughs> right. because Where I thought I buy t-shirts. Yeah, really. Cause I'm already there. I, <laughs> I will dabble with another class or whatever, but I'm not shit. I know what my main is already going to be. I cannot wait to play those little bastards. If I can make a suave demonair Ganation, that's like, you know, black with a little, like with the vest and like the cool little trousers, damn skippy. I'm not playing another fucking character. I just want some sort of costume skin for that Assassin's Creed. Just just give us that. <laughs> Work something out with Ubisoft. I don't care what it is. Do it. Because you, you that know, belongs. I know a guy. He was really into Shadowbane back in the day. We could talk. Man. Need that in my life. The the sculpting thing that you talked about with the the first artist, that was actually really cool because the program that he was talking about, ZBrush, I actually have it. I've messed around with it and I got it because, again, my son was doing a lot more game design stuff at the time. So we were buying him various tools to to try and learn whatnot for if he went to school for it. And it's cool because it's the digital equivalent of sculpting. So to see what he accomplishes with that is really, really telling of his skill as an artist because it was freaking awesome. 
Oh, it definitely was. And it, it's a program that I've also messed with, uh, not to anywhere near that degree, obviously. But it's it's nice to see something that ZBrush kind of gave a footing a few years ago as for a mainstream replacement for uh, 3D modeling. Uh, it replaced AutoCAD and a few others that had 3D-specific components. And I'm liking seeing that it's used in a professional environment and to such great skill. Also, I... It's just it's one of those programs that nobody ever thinks about, and here it is. Yeah, there was also a write up on the the Wyvern. There was not that much to it. Still, it was that that was one bitch of a wizard Wyvern. That (sighs) That was definitely one hell of a Wyvern. Basically, being the the source of vengeance of the gods, essentially. Yeah. So (laughs) nothing new there. But what was cool about that though is that ties in with the other video with Allison where she talks about the creation of uh, specifically the bestiary and how it's based off of not just real world creatures, but then dipping them into fantasy and seeing how far that they can push them. And you take a look at it after hearing that and you look through what beasts we have seen and you can very clearly see uh, real world influences in the structure. So it's, it's not just, these are purely fanatical or fantastical creatures these are ones that have an air of uh, the real world to them to sort of add that subliminal familiarity and just make them that much cooler. Though I don't like the winter aspects on a lot of them right now, but the rest is really cool. See, I like, I like how the seasons has to come into play in the design process for each of the creatures. That is telling of just how much attention is going to be put into making those seasons feel deep on all levels. So I, I really liked how she discussed that as well. Oh, I agree. So, okay. With that, we are actually going to call it a wrap for tonight. Thank you to those who join us live in the chat room. We will be back next week on Monday or Tuesday. Who the hell knows at this <laughs> <laughs> It's, at least it's always at 7 p.m. Eastern time. That, I can I can meet that. No problem. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> you can reach us on Twitter at For the Lore or individually Joe at Loaders at J Vince at Simodian or myself at Zen Buddhist. And you can leave us your thoughts on iTunes or Stitcher. And, of course, the site is at ForTheLore.com. With that, we'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.